to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him On their way, they entered the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to go on fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the reading that we had today, um, I wanted to look at three interactions that Jesus has with people who say they want to follow him. Um, so that's, that's where we're concentrating, kind of the second half of the, the gospel reading. Um, and those of you who were here last week, my sermons are a little longer than it was last week. Um, it was one whole page last week. Um, so yeah, the, the font's quite large, so it's not uh, huge. Um, so yeah, the people who Jesus speaks to wanted to follow him. And since you're all in church, I guess that you probably want to follow him too, and I know I do. Uh, So we'd probably treat this reading with quite a lot of importance even today. So let's explore what is said, and more importantly, what it means to us. The first saying is in answer to a statement from an unnamed man. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says something a little bit obtuse. He answers, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, as we reflect on what's going on in the reading, we need to look at all of the things that Jesus says in a particular light. Although they are written for us to read, They are also highly personal to each individual that hears them. 
And I'll explain what I mean and using some other examples from the Bible as we go along. But remember, they are both public and intensely private. So Jesus looks at the man and says to him that to follow him is to forego comforts and to tread paths that are not necessarily nice. Remember, earlier in this chapter, we've not actually had it in the lectionary, um, but this is just after Jesus has foretold his death. He's heading towards Jerusalem to die. And as it says in the reading, he has set his face towards Jerusalem. It fills his entire vision at this time. And as I say, he knows he will die. But the follower doesn't understand that. So right now, at this moment, to follow Jesus is to walk towards the grave. The apostles still follow, and to a great extent don't waver too much from this, with the odd exceptions. Perhaps Jesus sees in that man bravado. I don't care what happens, I'm going to follow you. Or perhaps he sees in him a weak faith, which he knows will fall away when he tells the man there is no comfort in the current journey. But are we to believe that there is no comfort in following Christ? Am I doing it wrong as I have a roof over my head? I think not. As I think that Jesus is saying that his mission, that, that, that he has a mission to accomplish, and that mission involves us following where we are called. God calls us to be prepared to forego comfort. He doesn't say we should seek discomfort. It would be wrong to fall away from following him, and that is what the challenge is. In this case, specifically, this man can expect discomfort because that is the current path, not the norm by which we should judge our faith. It is a personal reflection for that man and a public guidance for us to consider. The second interaction is a little different as Christ speaks first and says to the man, follow me. But the man says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus then produces a really enigmatic saying that is still well known even today by people who aren't necessarily Christian. Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So what can this mean? Is Jesus asking dead people to go and bury each other? Uh, so we should forget all about dead relatives and just concentrate on Jesus? Again, I think we really need to understand the nuance. This one can actually have a number of different meanings, uh, but let's contrast it. Um, um, sorry, lost myself. The sun's half my page is in shadow, half my page is in sunlight. Um, where was I? This one can actually have a number of meanings, but let us contrast it with the calling of the apostles before we explore the meaning of the language. In Luke 5, it is written. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, uh, knees and said, 
Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled the boats upon the shore, left everything, and followed him. The apostles pull up their boats and leave without hesitation. But this man wants to bury his father. That might seem a reasonable request, except we don't understand the context of Jesus' time. The father's not prob- probably not dead. One interpretation from the time is that people used such language if, for example, they were the oldest son, meaning, I need to wait and get my inheritance. Remember the prodigal son's father? Um, The prodigal son, when he asked for his inheritance before his father was dead, was in essence wishing that the father was dead. He was waiting for the father to die, or not waiting in his case. Um, If that interpretation is correct, he's delaying following Jesus potentially for years because he's simply too busy to follow that command. Another interpretation could be that the father is dead and a year after burial, uh, there would be another ceremony to take the bones that are now left and um, entomb them in an ossuary rather than leaving them in the tomb. Um, If you remember, Jesus was laid in a tomb that had never been used. It was common practice to reuse tombs and they would take the bones out after the uh, flesh had decomposed and rebury them elsewhere. So it could be that the man was waiting for that ceremony, delaying following Jesus again by weeks, months, a year. Either way, the man is seeing that what he has to do is more important than the mission of going to proclaim the kingdom of God that Jesus is calling him to. What he has to do is more important than following Jesus. The bit about the dead burying their dead, I could probably spend a sermon talking about that that small section, but it basically seems to be a reference to people who are spiritually dead, who don't, who deny um, God, and who therefore don't have a mission because they deny Christ and deny God. Uh, So they can mourn, but we're called... Um, we have a calling and that takes precedence over everything again it's a private call to the man's individual circumstances but one we can learn from I think that putting other things before Jesus is a trap that many of us fall into I know that I do Um, I refer back to the call made on Peter our patron saint he pulled up the boat and followed Jesus He left his family and journeyed. Thankfully, the call on our life tends to be um, to things that we can cope with where we live. But some people are called to travel and to spread the word. Uh, Corey Ten Boom is an example of someone who had a calling to forego comfort and follow where Jesus led without fear or favour. 
her journey from youth group leader in Holland in the 1930s to German concentration camp prisoner praying with people imprisoned with her, to globe-trotting evangelist traveling to unsafe and insecure countries is inspirational and awesome. If you've not come across Corey Tenboom, then speak to Michelle. She's got the book she wrote, and they are um, very, very inspiring. Uh, but I bet at times she would have liked to have stopped. Um, however, a faithfulness to God drove her to go where called, and on her journeys, at times she did have companions, but then they had their own paths to follow and move on. We each have our own journey, but a willingness to respond to the call is what we must have, not a call to bury our dead, to wait months to do that or years to do that, but to do it when called. The final interaction built somewhat on the previous one. Again, this is instigated by a statement from a man. I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. But is it really wrong to go to your family and say goodbye? Jesus can see the man's heart and intentions. And again, I think this is a case like the rich young man who's told to give away all of his wealth, where Jesus' answer is specifically for this man. But it's still one that we can learn from. When Jesus says to the rich young man that he must, fi must finally give away all his wealth and follow Jesus, the calling of his money prevents him from doing that. Here, the man's family is the stumbling point. If he turns away from the plough, his decision to follow Jesus, um, uh, sorry, from the plough, his decision to follow Jesus, then he may never pick it up again. He'll fall away because he has duties to his parents and his family. In this case, it is distraction from the path you have chosen that we're being warned against. Once we choose to follow Jesus, there are no options of time off. We must not be distracted by other things, however important they may seem. There will be distractions, but we must keep our eyes on Jesus and our hands to the plough. So in summary, if we are called, then we must follow and be careful not to be distracted from the path that is set before us even if that path offers no physical comfort, because our eyes are on Jesus, who is our comfort and our strength. Easy, really. Or not. We see these private examples of callings on people's lives, but we can see ourselves in each of them, which is the point, and indeed, why they're included in the Bible. We have duties and roles to fulfil, and sometimes the call will be easy, and other times it will be painfully hard. But ultimately, the gift is worth the sacrifice, and that's the eternal promise of Jesus in our lives. So let's spend some time now reflecting on what we are currently being called to do. We're all called to do something, even if it's currently to wait, and prepare for the call to action. 
Perhaps the call is to pray for others or for the world. Perhaps the call is to do something or go somewhere or take on a new role in the church or in the community. Only you can answer that, but others might be sent to prompt you. So think about your life and your call. Pray silently and listen to the voice of God in the stillness. And then in a minute or two, I'll close in prayer for the sermon. Jesus, you call us to follow you. Help us to heed that call and to go where you command. As we go, help us to keep our eyes on you and our hands to the plough, avoiding the temptation of looking back and turning from your path. Help us to proclaim the kingdom of God and to walk the path that you have planned for us wherever it may lead. Amen.